Hello and welcome to another edition of Off Camera. I'm your host, Sam Jones. And in this episode, I sit down with the talented, introspective, and relentless actor Jake Gyllenhaal. I think like most of the movie-watching public, I've been absolutely transfixed, and if I'm honest, just a little bit frightened, by the physical transformations Jake Gyllenhaal has undertaken for roles like Billy Hope in Southpaw and Lou Bloom in Nightcrawler, to name a few. There are numerous reasons, many of them actually sane, to do that kind of work. Telling the story of characters that fascinate you is one. Expanding your worldview through the filmmaking experience is another. And as he puts it, when you recognize a certain amount of absurdity in your profession, sometimes the only way to compensate is to commit to the point of absurdity. And you know, Jake's level of commitment leaves no stone unturned. But here's the thing. The most profound change he's made in recent years is one we probably didn't realize we were witnessing. And that's what I wanted to talk to him about. After his work in Donnie Darko and Brokeback Mountain, Jake found himself in the position of being very young and very successful in Hollywood, on a pretty predictable path to commercial success. He chose that moment to step back and listen to his own voice about the work he wanted to do. For an actor at that level, it's a courageous choice. For an artist, it's perhaps the only choice. In this episode, Jake discusses work ethic, instinct, and how he chooses projects and directors, and why he'd like to see some other people take a shot at playing some of his roles. Listen in on our wide-ranging conversation that involves the Talking Heads, Super Mario Brothers, Bruce Springsteen, and a poem called Wild Geese. We also touch on a bit of early advice he got from Chris Cooper, which was, never leave a scene with any regrets. Jake says he still doesn't understand that one entirely, but we're pretty sure you won't leave this conversation with any regrets. So pull up a chair and listen in. Jake, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, man. Um, You know, one of the things that I get to do for this show is I get to go very deep into someone's career and and look at all their work and it's one of the best things about this show for me is all the research and all the prep I do and um, like in this case I didn't do any yeah so you're gonna have to tell me because <laughs> I, I did I not have time to see yeah. one of your movies <laughs> you, you are in movies right sometimes some people could call it that but other people might say they're not necessarily movies <laughs> so I went and saw Nightcrawler in the theater in in the fall of 2014 and I recently saw Southpaw and the same question was on my mind when I left the theater both times, which was, I think this guy might be insane. <laughs> Somebody said that to me the other day, actually, after the play. I just did this show on Broadway, and that's, they, they were like, said they were in the cab ride home. Like, after being like, wow, that was amazing. And then it suddenly dawned on them, and they were like, is he insane? Like, <laughs> he must be crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, it, it's, it's a compliment. And Thanks. it's such, both those roles, there's such a major commitment and there's such a, um, you know, a storehouse of power in both those characters mm. in very different ways. Because you could just see how much you would transform yourself and everything. And it got me thinking about work ethic. And, um, you know, and I, I, I had a dad who really preached a strong work ethic and would not let us get away with anything. <laughs> and, uh, and so... Uh, you know, I just wondered about about your, if you remember the origins of that message or or if you've always had a strong work ethic or, or if you learned that somewhere. My father is incredibly disciplined, um, like almost prolific in how he, uh, you know, does work. I mean, he. I remember as a boy, like he would be up at 4.30 in the morning and he would write, he would, even if it was like writing in his diary or something like that, like he was up, he was constantly sort of always very prepared like that. Um, he, he was a, a, he's a director. But as a boy, I remember that and, and, and really hard work. In fact, ironically, you say that my last name, I think, means something like hard rock or something. There's like a genetic really? thing of, yeah, there's like a genetic connection with like... Um, sort of, I guess, hard work. Uh, and then on the opposite side of that, there's like my moms, who were like all Jews, who like immigrants who came in, who like, my grandfather was like a Doogie Hauser. He was like uh, a doctor in residency at 22. Really? Yeah. I think there's part of it in me where I kind of recognize the absurdity of what I'm doing, and the only way that I can move past the absurdity of it is to commit to it in a place where no one can say that it's absurd anymore. 
you know, absurdity even, in the sense that you're make you're making or a, something uh, you're, like, right. and so and 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 I think there's also a belief that I have this crazy, not crazy. Well, there's the word again, but I have this very strong belief in the unconscious and the idea that like that we spent that it is driving us it's like this massive river that we're floating on and we're sort of unaware obviously sometimes of where we're going and i don't think we have much control over it because that brings in the question of like fate destiny and free will but i believe that there's a way in which you can kind of hop onto as a in performance as an actor like onto another river a little bit if you work hard enough you kind of like move your unconscious into a space but that takes kind of grinding at the world that you know normally and pushing it into a place that is filled with the molecules of all the things you've collected along the way meaning like my preparation for something like southpaw was 5 months around boxers all the time going to every fight that i could um, researching the history of what my character had gone through, going to orphanages and and talking to people in the system and being there and picking up that energy, like picking it all up and trying to sort of exist in it and then putting that into, after enough time, you know, like I feel like almost like your molecular structure changes a little bit huh. and then you put that onto the screen. I think that translates. Like I think that that translates even to an audience. And so... And I find joy in that process. You know, it's not like a torturous process for me. Just to answer the other part of your question, I haven't always been like that. And I have learned along the way because I started really young. Right. And I think things that initially came pretty quickly, you know, like um, I got roles when I was younger and and then I had a, a, a great deal of what you would call, I guess, success. Like... Uh, at a younger age, in my early 20s, which was, I didn't understand, you know. What I, do you mean you didn't understand? Meaning, like, I didn't really know what oh, to you, do with it. I didn't understand, like, right. oh, you have this opportunity, and you work with this person, and, you know, and, and I didn't even understand how to organize, <laughs> you know, projects or how, you know, any of I had no process, necessarily. I was, like, literally working off something, I guess, is sort of, like, your own talent, but I had no real technique yet. I see. So I was flailing around a bit, and I, re- I learned from directors, like, over time, and mistakes that I made and behavior and working on set, like, and not being prepared at times and thinking I knew when I didn't know. Everything you do in your 20s, kind of. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, like, but you're working on these major projects, yeah, like and you're, you're in your 20s. You're not, yeah. like, trying to work towards that. Yeah. Like, yeah. most of us, we get to do that. We get to sort of start small and... And work our way up, and by the time we're ready for it, then we can get those things. But, but yeah, you you sort of started there. Sort of. I mean, you know, I mean, I one of the biggest lessons I learned, in, I think, in my career is like working with someone like uh, with David Fincher, for instance, who mm-hmm. has an incredible work ethic. And at the time, I didn't understand it so much. And now it's like I realize I learned so much and adopted so much of that technique into what I do now, and like desperately admire it you know, when I watch his movies. And at the time, didn't know really even what completely where I was or what world I was in. And now it's like I've stolen so many things from him in terms of my preparation and, and how I do things, you know. So it, along the way, I was never, like, the past three or four years, I changed my whole right. way of going about things. Okay, you've just tapped it into, like, 50 questions I have. <laughs> so, so going back to Southpaw for a second, when you, when you yeah. talked about... Um, visiting foster homes and things like that. Um, it brings up a thought that I had, which is, um, I- I'm sure a lot of that we don't necessarily see on the screen. Like, obviously we see your prep um, being a boxer. We see it in the physicality yep. and in the, in the I mean, you're, you're doing it on screen probably in some ways. And you're, you know, you're learning the, the footwork and all that stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but I wondered um, maybe an example of something from that film, uh, that we wouldn't necessarily see on screen, but that you found to be essential for getting to who that character was. Hmm. Ah, amazing things all along the way. They didn't just happen in prep, but the ability to prep illuminated them in production sometimes. You know, I was playing around a lot in that movie in Southpaw with v- vo- vocal things, you know, and um, enunciation 
and pronunciation, uh, vocabulary, how much vocabulary somebody has, uh, given their background. I'm thinking of the scene in the closet where uh, you're trying to write your speech for a charity you're doing, and yeah. and yeah, you show the intelligence, the lack of intelligence. Yeah, and my daughter is like telling me how to say things and stuff. Right. I mean, and that was, I mean, just like on a whole other side, Antoine Fuqua, who directed the movie, you know, that was all the speech and also that scene. We're improving those whole, all those things together. So we, at that point, like, the character had to be solidified, you know, like before we started because he allowed us to play in that world, like in a way that was, I'm writing a speech and I'm like, what about this word? And, she, and Una Lawrence, who plays my daughter in the movie, was the most extraordinary actress. Like, I mean, she can improv her pants off. She's really like amazing. Like she took me places in that movie that I haven't ever gone with any other actor. Wow. Yeah, she's just like, which, in, uh, you know, ironically, I feel like anyone playing your child or your child should do. <laughs> right, Thinking because in places that you've never they haven't been. learned how to be phony yet, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the things that you never learn about, that you never know about him, you know, no one ever told him how to express himself with words. His expression comes in the ring. And so the decision was made that, like, you know, he's, he's vocal in the ring, and he's extraordinarily confident in the ring, but put him up in front of a pedestal, like on a, like in that charity event, and he's incapable of really saying something. But right. he will say something honest, because he, he, he has no way of not being honest. I mean, in terms of like look and stuff like that, all those things, scars that he has on his face, um, where he got them from, mm -hmm. uh, so you, so you created all of that. You knew all of that, where he got his scars from. And Every single what is one of them. I mean, weirdly, and this is indulgent, but like I believe scars hold like the energy of all the things that ha the thing that happened with it, you know. Um, and so that stuff can be easily. You you, you need you need shit to like. Uh, you need a, a bag of stuff to get to, like in the middle of production, you know? Like, I, I never want to be lost not having an intention in a scene, you know, even if the writing is great. Meaning, I don't want to go, like, if I have made a decision, oh, like, this scar is from this situation and there's a whole thing, like, I can connect to that for me and have a solid ground to, to walk on or to, to be dealing with in a scene with another actor because I've done that and that comes from that, you know? These two scars or that thing or, like, the way he walks or... Whatever it is, you know, you you have it's it's it, you have your you have your preparation, you know, you have your confidence. Well, what I hear you saying is that you have to, in the short amount of time that you have between getting a script and, and starting principal photography, you have to you have to know your whole life story, right? I yeah. mean, tell me about that that understanding of a, of a backstory and how that process works like is it sort of a methodical thing for you now to break it down and or is it is it's it always not, a different approach it's not that indulgent I mean when we talk about it, it sounds so indulgent it's not really like that but it's like Antoine and I knew this character it's a it's a it's a mix of his heart and my heart right so it's like you're always working with your director obviously your director and the writer and other people who are emotionally involved in the story like they, they have a reason, the reason they've come to this project, like we always, we do. It's not so much like, okay, well, we do know, for instance, with Billy Hope, like he came from foster care, he went through the system. I had watched a number of documentaries about it, particularly boxers who had been through the system. Like I tried to get as specific as I could, like in my proverbial Google search, you know, it was like just adding more words. So it was like orphan, then it was like orphan boxer, then it was like white orphan boxer and I saw this documentary about kids who were boxing and one of them actually happened to be an orphan and I <clears throat> I just stole his entire backstory he talked about how okay. he had been through what he had been through in that and the houses he had the, the homes he had gone through and um, and his emotional connection to it which was something he was far away from he wasn't like talking about how it made him feel he was just like going through the, and and I just I just stole lots from him there. Well, what's amazing about that film is that it really is 
like the character is, it manifests itself physically more than verbally or emotionally even. Like, I did wonder if that was a conscious decision that we're gonna play this, almost like a, a meditation on physicality over, like, because there's a lot of non-verbal acting in this film. Absolutely, right? yeah. Was that something you tried to do? Absolutely. Yeah. It's all body, boxers are all body. I mean, look, man, I mean, I, I was like, by the, end, by the end of training, like five months into training, you know, I started like, I'd always warm up, you know, in like a hoodie and get, get sweat going, get warm. By the end, like the outfits I was wearing, I was wearing like lime green shorts and no shirt with like fluorescent yellow socks and like I was painting my shoes. Like, and I was like, what is that? It's because when you get into your body, when you're that sort of in tune, and also I think there's a vanity as well. Like there's kind of like, now you have gone to a place where you're in, in the ring, your offense and your defense is working at the same time as well as your body and your mind. It's a mind game at the highest level. And you know you're confident, so I would tat. I got tatted up. Like Antoine wanted even more tattoos. Right. But like all the tattoos and all those things, it was just like my shirt was off constantly. And yeah. I and actually not really in a vain way. It was kind of like, this is who I am. I'm an animal. <laughs> when you talk about it, it's like I'm. It, it, I can feel the confidence of who he is come through. Like I didn't give a fuck. Right. And that can be really dangerous in reality. <laughs> no, but I, I think... There are other people who give a fuck less than you who could definitely fuck you up. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk you're about... You're on a movie set, you're like, I'm the, you know, I'm Billy Hope, and then you walk off set and you're like, I'm Billy Hope, and they're like, no, I'm Billy Hope. <laughs> okay, so you train for five months, you turn yourself into a boxer, not even just the, the physical part of it, but... but um, but you had this intense mini lifetime of becoming a boxer, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I wonder if at the beginning of that process you look at sort of the canon of, of boxing films and, and say, okay, I'm adding, this is part of the legacy of boxing films. Like, you fool. Preserved, <laughs> preserved on celluloid or ones and zeros forever. And, and, and uh, like, did you, did you think about, okay, there's Raging Bull, there's Hurricane, there's Ali, and, yeah. and, and, and in your mind, is part of it, like, I'm gonna take the hardest hits, I'm going to, yeah. I'm gonna put the most accurate portrayal of boxing on film ever, is, like, are you competitive that way? The way I approach it, it's not like competition and like, I ever think that I could ever do anything near to what, you know, De Niro Scorsese did in Raging Bull, or, what Sylvester Stallone did when he wrote and made the first Rocky. And it's a really high standard where you go, shit, like, uh, can we do this? Uh -huh. You know, I don't think it's like, I'm gonna do it better than them, because I don't think that's possible. Um, and I think that's actually, it's interesting you said it, because I think that sort of acting in general, I think, I don't think there's really much room for that kind of competition in acting. Uh -huh. or in filmmaking, in that what you bring to it is you bring yourself. Right. And also, more than that, I was more scared of, like, I didn't really know how to box before we started. So this wasn't a thing where you're like, I'm into this, so I'm going to go find a project. This was find the project and then go learn how to box. This was, I read the initial script, you know, and I, I cried three times, and um, every draft thereafter, I was, like, moved. I mean, I remember sitting on a plane... Uh, I was shooting this um, movie about Mount Everest and it was like we shot, it was like five months before we did Southpaw and I was reading a new draft. I remember sitting on the plane like just like, you know, <laughs> reading the new draft and just like constantly being like, I was just moved by it. And I, and I was moved by the story of a guy who has so much anger and people have told him that his anger, uh, you know, He's gotten his success through that anger, and 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 through using it, and yeah, and that's that a funny rage. thing. You're rewarded for your rage. Yeah, and then at one point that doesn't work anymore. In fact, at one point that ends up, you know, kind of destroying your life, and then you have to spend, if you choose to, or if the universe, you know, makes you, you have to spend the time trying to figure out how to how to understand your anger and not that it's a bad thing, but to not, you know, use it for everything. And, and, 
And then I, I was just so moved about someone becoming an adult, you know, becoming a parent and that idea. And that's why I wanted to make the movie. And then when I talked to Antoine, that's why he wanted to make the movie. Was it was a story about somebody, you know, learning how to become a father. And that was like, to me, it was beautiful. And, and so the boxing was like, oh God, I gotta be good at boxing, you know? Right. And so, but is that step one when you meet a director is find out if you want to make it for the same reason? Is that sort of... Not always the same, but definitely something where they say, I can't now make this film. And Antoine had been on it for many years before, had, um, had been a boxer himself, but more than just a boxer, like he, he had just been on it for so long that, and believed in it so much and knew there was a right combination but hadn't felt it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... I saw. I heard Marion Cotillard talk about something that I, I, she was like, "If a director tells me like they have to like, it's very French. Like, live. They, they it will die if they can't make this film." Which I, again, talk about indulgence is like, but <laughs> but the idea, just as an idea, which is like they there's something aching in them to do this thing. Um, that's what you want to feel, in my opinion. Right. The part of him, be growing up. Yes was a central theme in your attraction to it and, and that that was his as well. Absolutely. That's got to be important, right? Because you've got to be making the same movie. Definitely. And have you been in the opposite situation? Like, <laughs> where, where you find out later, oh, I thought this movie, the theme was this and the director thinks it's this. And Yes, I have definitely been on set going, wow, I pictured this room to look so much different than it actually looks. Mm. And then there are times, usually, where you go out, most of the time as an actor, you're always like, oh, I picture this room to look differently, but this looks a lot better than I <laughs> thought of it in my own mind. Right. I guess that's why I'm acting in this movie, you know? But, yeah, there are times where you go, wow, we're just not in sync at all, you know? And um, I have to say, though, like, sometimes that resistance and those things create really interesting creative Results. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure you feel that way. Absolutely. Probably the further you go in your career, the more you can suss out the questions you need answered. Right? Yes. Like, I, I, you know, it, it, it brings up that question of balance of power, too, because when you're young and you're starting out, you don't really have any power. and you really, You're not really invited to the table on some of those key decisions at the beginning. And, yep. and do you find with where you are now as an actor, you can have much more influence over the story than... And, and, and is, that, is that something you seek? Like, is that part of the joy of making films for you, is seeking that? It really depends on the project. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the director, and it depends on what, they've, what we've talked about early on. Like, you know, I worked with Jean-Marc Vallée on this movie that I did after Southpaw, a movie called Demolition. And Jean-Marc um, is really definitive about how he's doing things and a very technically amazing. It gives you this amazing space, he has a, but he has a process that he has honed for many years in the same way. And so you are moving into his world and you are walking into his world and uh, you still bring your preparation and you bring your ideas, but there are moments where, you know, on his set, like he'll say, move your hand up, turn your head to the left, right? And that would never happen on an Antoine Fuqua set, right? And and yet there's and on Dan Gilroy with Dan Gilroy and Nightcrawler, you know, we wouldn't. I never improved a thing. I said every single one of his words, every piece of punctuation. I had the whole thing memorized as if we were doing it live on stage. And Southpaw, we would go off on crazy tangents, and Antoine would bring us back, and then he'd you know we'd discover something else and and then we'd move in there and then the next day we'd shoot a different way and then you know I'd go over to Jean-Marc Vallée and you know he knows what he wants and he wants you to go over there and then stay there and then he's running with the camera back to the edge of the street to get a wide shot and running all the way back and coming back and getting a close-up on the next thing and that's where it's amazing because I I've, I say I have a technique but it's totally defined by the director that I'm working with. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. You know, if, but I, but I, I, I pride myself in being able to go like, that's your way. Like, okay, this is how I'm going to fit in. Is it almost like uh, the methods that directors use can be so radically different that it's almost like different jobs in some ways? Like, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, 
I'm fascinated. You know, the only thing you can really tell, I can't really ever watch what I do. I can watch really? the story. If you're a producer on a project, mm -hmm. I can be very objective. I, I really, I do, uh, I, I love that. Um, and when you're allowed into that conversation, um, I love that. I'm not precious about the work that I do. You know, I like, I'm precious about the story. Okay. That's the one thing, like, for me is, like, when you see a great movie, like, yeah, it's the best thing ever. I mean, it's, it's better than any performance anyone could ever give, in my opinion. And so that journey is the thing that is, is amazing. It's like, yeah, the pond's really pretty, and so is the queen, but, like, look at the game, you know. So I, that, I get off on that. You said that you find joy in the, in the deep, you know, it's prep and research for these things. But I, when you say there's a joy in that preparation and stuff, is the physical part of that joy or is that yes. just the hard work? Oh, it Absolutely is. it is. Where do you think you get that from? Because I tend to avoid pain whenever I can. <laughs> so do I. Um, but in each role is something different. I mean, like, you know, in the case of, like, Lou Bloom or the case of Billy Hope, they are, their physical stuff was important, yeah. you know. It's what I felt my instinct like led me to. Obviously, you're playing a boxer. It has to be that way. Um, but there are other ones where, like, uh, you know, physicality was not anywhere. It wasn't important at all. The real joy for me in all of it is the relationship with my director. Okay. I mean, that's, like, that's really where it comes from. Like with Denis Villeneuve, who did Enemy, and then who I did another movie with, Miss Movie Prisoners. Right. We did those two movies. We were at the weird same place in our lives, different, like almost a decade apart, but at the same place in our lives in a different way that the characters were, and s trying to figure out, these two characters trying to figure out who we are as men in relationships, and then outside of the relationship, and you know, your desire romantically, emotionally, and then sexually, that's what Enemy was about. And it was like about trying to reconcile that, if it is even reconcilable, right. like all those things. And I just love him, man. Like I would do anything, for, I would like outside of, outside of movies, like if Denis called me and he needed me, like I'd be there for him. And like outside of movies, Antoine, without a doubt, and Dan as well. There, there's the movies that come out of them, but we have shared something that is sort of beyond that. We've lived a lot of life together beyond just like two months of making a movie or three months of making a movie. Like, you know, we, you got, you know, that, and I think that's all in the movies. That collaboration is, is a big part of your art, right? Yeah, like what else do you have? I mean, at the end of the day, if, if your goal is to like, oh, make lots of money or become famous or, you know, whatever it is or get attention or whatever that is, like, that's cool, that's fine, you know, but in th that's, and maybe in my career at different times, like, that was a goal that I, I had, uh -huh. maybe, you know, but it's not. To me now, it's like, I'm going to die someday, and when I do that, I'm blessed to have the job that I have, and I'd rather make connections with people who want to touch that idea, not afraid of that idea, and then also are like, like let's have fun, right. like, let's enjoy this time. You know, and and commit. Was Southpaw the hardest you ever worked? Yes, the physically and emotionally, and also just because I think what Antoine and I were trying to get at together, what we believed, um, was hard sometimes for people to understand what we were shooting. Uh huh. So we were like getting at something and driving towards something. And we loved this character so much. And we loved his daughter and his wife. And we both like loved this thing so much that sometimes people were like, what do you do? We would not stop. Right. And he won't stop. It's the best until he's like, we're good. And he doesn't have any fear that, you, that that's going to, like with an actor like you, you're, you're fine with that indulgence, right? You're, well, I, have, I did come up to him. A number of times on the shoot, and I'd be like, I'm done. And he'd be like, that's a wrap. Do you know? You know, you, you go so heavy into a role like, like Billy Hope for Southpaw, and, and you become a boxer. You really became a boxer yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and the movie's over, and it's like, oh, I don't get to be a boxer anymore. I mean, do, yeah. you, 
is it sometimes hard to let go of all of the skills and all of the routines that you've gotten in to be a boxer and to make a boxer believable for everybody else and then to let it go? I mean, is that, and on the converse side, is that some of the joy for you of, of trying a completely different character is that you, you do get to actually inhabit these worlds for a little bit? Like, sometimes I wonder if the, if the, the movie is the reason to do the prep rather than the other way around for you. Absolutely. I, the movie is the reason to do the prep, definitely, because, and then like, like little dust particles from a meteorite, you pick up things from that and you keep them always. Like I have, like, from the last five or six movies I've done, I have like four new, really, really good friends, oh. two new skill sets, <laughs> like, that I will continue to perfect probably a changed opinion on the world from like you know i mean even doing this movie end of watch you know one of my best friends is one of the officers that i met on that movie he's still one of my close friends like i talk to him all the time uh he's a sheriff and he gives me i mean it's pretty amazing you know like we talk about our work you know and his work in my opinion is like incomparable to what I do. Like, meaning, I, in my mind, I go like, what he deals with every day and, and how he approaches the world with life and death is incomparable. And he always constantly like compares our work in the way that he goes like, your instinct and my instinct are two different things, but they're still our instincts. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Like, you do it for stupid reasons and I do it for <laughs> to save, save the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, like, they're still instincts, and we talk about that a lot. And, and that, you know, also, you know, a police officer is, is responsible for every round that they shoot, right? So they have to be accountable for every single one. They have to know before it exits that chamber, wherever it goes, what the intention of that was and why it went there, right? Which wow. is, to me, in certain situations, impossible to understand. And yet, like... You ask an experienced officer, you know, most of the time, a really good cop, and they, they know what that's from. That's instinct. If a round comes out, it's from an instinct, right? Hopefully, if it's a good cop. And, um, and so that's a, it, that's a fascinating thing, you know, for me. That's what I study, like, in real life. That's what I love. I do it and it's this movie or whatever, like people watch it, we can indulge ourselves and talk about the process or whatever. But the thing that I think is extraordinary about him, and we've talked about it, is that choice. You know, those choices. A a boxer, a knockout, is five pounds of pressure to knock somebody out. That's nothing, man. I mean, if 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 I put my fist like into your chest with five pounds of pressure, you'd be like, what? But that's how much it takes to hit it exactly the right spot to knock somebody out, to jar their brain, to knock their brain against the side of their head, and to knock them out. Five pounds, that's it, which means accuracy is everything, which means instinct, angle, science, where they always talk about sweet science, is everything, right? So that's instinct. A combination, someone throws a punch or two punches come at the same time or you, you block and then you punch again. Those types of things, when you see them at the speed in which a boxer does it, which is like, again, the thing where you're like, can't, I can't even understand it. When you watch it in slow motion and, you know, you know, you watch a knockout in slow motion, even like a crazy one where they're fighting, they're trading combinations and all of a sudden someone goes down and you're like, I didn't even see what happened. Right. It's not the big haymaker. It's just something in tight, <laughs> yeah. and then they're down, and it's because they landed it in the perfect spot. Because defense and offense were working within, and we're not talking about like, oh, like you see in the movies, like, oh, yeah, one big haymaker, and somebody gets knocked out. It's literally like defense and offense were always working 99.9% of the time because they are extraordinary at what they do at that level, and then without... of that moment, one of their instincts got just a bit ahead. It's like that funny Jerry Seinfeld joke where he's like, what's the difference between like the gold medal and then not the gold medal and the difference between somebody's life changing like for the rest of their lives because they won a gold medal is 
is 0.001. It's like, and it's true. It's like, at that level, that's what it is. It's like, and so that's what I love, man. I mean, that's to me, like, to get anywhere near understanding that or being inside a moment like that to be like, oh, wow. I don't think it's much different from a journalist or it's not much different from, you know, um, a scientist, like searching. It's like you're trying to map something. You admire something and then you try and mimic it or map it or get inside because you do it. And that's the cool part of the job. Like my father, like always said, it doesn't matter what you do. You, you just do it. You have to do it and learn about it as best as the, like do, do it the best that you possibly can. And like and I think that's good and bad, you know, because I don't know what the best really is. Right. Right. You know, do you think when, when you get a message as a kid like that and it's sort of by example and also uh, sort of seeded into conversations do you think eventually that that seed grows something that becomes your worldview and do you think your dad did that for you and and maybe you didn't know it at 17 or 25 or whatever but yeah but you think that's something that you at this point it's just instinctual for you yeah i mean I, and i would say like i don't know sometimes if the seed is good or bad you know sometimes you know right but i do think yeah i think there are things that i saw um you know, one of the things that I, you know, my love of story and my, like, respect for a story, like, comes from my mother without a doubt. You know, my mother, um, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, my mother was, is, is a screenwriter, so it's really all about the story, you know, and that has become instinctual, yes. I mean, because I did Southpaw because I think my own anger and... You know, my own issues with that are things that I wanted to explore. Really? Yeah. And I, and I, you know, that was some, that was a world I wanted to go into. I wanted to look it in the face and I wanted to say like, what is this in a space that's safe, you know? Do you have sort of this intensity inside of you that like, like, you know, it goes back to the work ethic question, but is, is there a voice inside of you that's pushing you hard and sometimes that expresses itself in a more intense or more angry way absolutely yeah interesting absolutely yeah i mean i wouldn't know that talking to you i wouldn't know that 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 was one of your motivators for doing this film yeah i mean i think i think that's why actors are so strange i mean i i i mean seriously i mean i think uh yeah i that those feelings, you know, like, I mean, I'm not sitting around, like, you know, getting into fist fights, you know, like the character does. Um, and I would probably, you know, I, I, but I, but I, but I do think that, uh, yeah, those feelings are, that's the reason why I want to do the movie. So what did you learn about yourself through examining anger in the film that, that you'll take with you outside of the character and the film experience? One of the things I think about about the movie is that it's all about vulnerability, right? Like, you know, I think that the more you're able to be vulnerable to whatever it is in the world, you know, we put all these things up. You know, we, you have to, you know. Every one of us has a different thing and a million different things that we use and whatever. And to be an adult, and I think ultimately what I could see from learning from seeing my sister or seeing my parents or seeing Antoine or seeing everybody I see who's a parent is that that sense of vulnerability, see who you're, you know, who you really are, is what your children probably need, you know? And I think that goes beyond just your children probably because it does in Southpaw. It goes into the whole world. I think that's what we want, you know, is like, I, I would hope we all want to be able to be open with each other, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, but I speak for myself. I can't be, you know, in that way that I would want to be. And so what I learned from Southpaw is um, that kind of, uh, that thing where you feel like that anger or that, 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 vi- that sense of violence, whatever that is, as a protector, is actually really not 
if you don't understand it. Uh-huh. It's like anger without rage can be a very healthy thing. I'm not saying like you should live a life without anger, but like rage, which is inexplicable and can lead to crazy things, which it does to the character, is there's really not any, there's really not a place for it. You know, there's no good place for it to exist. But anger can be a great drive. It can be really helpful. And and in the last scenes of the movie, like I, I get, want to get back to second to the thing that we were talking about. About there's that scene in the movie, and I don't want to give anything away, but where you know his daughter hits him. Yes. And like what's passed That's down. Tough, tough bunch of scenes in that institution as a dad with daughters to watch. It's yes. so painful and so real and scary. And, but anyway. Yeah, to see a fighter who's like vicious and gets off eventually by getting hit and hit and hit and harder and harder and only really gets off when his, there's blood in his mouth and needs somebody to fucking take him and drive him to that place. The thing that kills him more than anything is like being hit by his daughter and he could never touch her do you know what I mean and and he sits there in that moment and I remember with me and Antoine like I was t- we were talking through the scene and like I said to Una I was like you can hit me that wasn't written and I like you can hit me and she just didn't want to at all and I was like you can you can say say the lines to me and hit me when you say it and she did she's amazing actor she's just an amazing actor and she's saying these lines and uh, oh, and and, it, and you just think about the power that that connection has over this guy who could get hit a million times by a grown man the same size as him, but that happens with his daughter, and it's just like, you know, he's wrecked. He's like he's wrecked, and I was I was very proud of that moment in it as an expression in the movie, you know, very proud of that thing. It just because it's her anger, it's her rage. He's transferred it to her by mistake without knowing. He's taught her that that's something you do. Right. You know, you like you never know where you're going. You know, you never know what's going to take you. You never know where you're headed, you know. You just know like, you know, this is something I want to explore and I'm going to do it like this and this looks like a good way in. Um but I didn't know, like, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you never really... Well, I, I believe you completely in that film, and I believe you completely in Nightcrawler. And, and God, I could go on forever about Enemy, uh, because, I, you know, you, you actually were two different people, and that was weird to me. And, but, I, you know, the spider and the thing, I'm not even going to go there, because... <laughs> I'm not smart enough to understand that. <laughs> Neither <film>. am I. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it does it does bring up that thing for me of, you know, the power and magic that movies will always have. And and hearing you talk, I hear that you know, it's not just the work that you put in. It's also the journey you're going on personally that I'm seeing. And that's why I'm believing that you're this character is because you are that person. And like. Part of it, partially, you, you have to be that. You have to find those things that relate. I would assume. I mean, at a certain point, I, I've thrown out the idea like, oh, uh, you know, you find it indulgent or whatever. You say, oh, the process or actors or this and that, and roll your eyes at the whole thing. And I have, and I do still. But ultimately, it's like, it's incredibly important to me. And when like an audience walks into a movie, and I want them to go like. Oh, this is for like this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. This is gonna be fun. This yeah. is gonna be something like hopefully I haven't seen before, and we're gonna discover something new, not just through CGI or through some sort of like big magical story, but like through the like really hard work from like tunneling into the process and yeah. living in it. Yeah, right. And we still can... being entertaining. I mean, that's the thing is like I'm not into like just abusing myself and like and then having nobody be entertained and enjoying the ride like I want people to love the story and enjoy it you know what I mean I mean Nightcrawler and Nightcrawler was like my favorite thing in that movie is that chase sequence like that car chase sequence is like incredible yeah it's like and the fact we did it we made that we did that car chase sequence we had a close to seven and a half million dollar budget you know and I know that sounds like a lot of money but it is not a lot of money um 
for a movie that has all the stuff that we had to do. And we were like, I look at that as the like, that's the, my proudest thing is like, is being involved in that movie as an actor, but also being involved in that movie at a production level and just being able to pull that off was awesome, you know? And, and it's entertaining. And you watch it and you're like, that was fun to watch. You know, it's not just like, oh, look, he beat himself up, he lost all no, his weight. No, it was so fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. And yet, it's, it's that thing. I, I, and again, you know, I, I started out as a photojournalist, and, and part of me is watching that going, it's so fun to find a world that's never been on cinema before. Yeah. And look at it. And, yeah. and then really turn it inside out. And, and, and I think when, when you get to do that and it all works and, and has larger political and social overtones and everything, I, I thought that was a major achieve, achievement, that film. That's Dan, man. Um, I, I think you, at, at a certain point three or four years ago, made a decision sort of on a more artistic level of, of wanting to do a certain kind of, not a certain kind of film, but wanting to have a certain kind of, of career by your own design. And yeah. it brings up that question of, you know, if, does a true artist have to invent their own path? Like, can you even be mm -hmm. a true artist if you follow someone else's path? Yeah. You know, and, and, and yet, that, that's the, sort of the conundrum with, with an actor, but it seems like you've put together this run of films. And so I, I wanted to just ask you about that and when the shift took place and what was going through your mind. I just didn't feel like I was in the right room. Do you know what I mean? Like, I okay. just didn't feel like I was, like, in the right part of the world. Like, I, like I, didn't, I didn't understand. It's like that. Da it's like David Byrne. It's like, what is this house, you know? Like, how did I get here? How did I get here? <laughs> it was a little like that kind of moment, like, what well, that, this beautiful wife? Like, when you have success young, like, it is, you can wake up and go, how did I get here? Yeah, right? you kind of just, and I mean more like, I mean, I like my house, it's great, but it, <laughs> I just mean more, you know, figuratively, like, I need to get back to a place where I was like, you know, really felt more like what I, who I was, you know? And so, and I, I um, it's funny because um, Mara, I remember talking with Mara, and she was like, you should watch Mara, this. Your my publicist. I, we were talking, and she was like, oh, you should watch this documentary um, about the, the making of Darkness on the Edge of Town, you know, this, like... For spring scene. The spring record. scene. I think it's called The Promise, is the, the documentary. Okay. Yeah. And in it, he was like, he was like, uh, he was like, oh, you know, like, more than... He just talked about the process of trying to make an album... That was, you know, he had had all this success, like, and I'm, it's not comparable at all, but he was talking about trying to make an album that expressed where he was and what he wanted to actually say. You know, he could write, like they talk about, he could write great pop songs and he could do all right. this stuff. In he fact, wrote Steve Blinded Van by the Light. Yeah, he could, like, Steve Van Zandt was like, this is so annoying, like, we could put out, like, ten great pop albums, because he could write all these great pop songs, and he was like, I'm not interested in doing that. He was interested in trying to do something that was expressing whoever he was. And he talked about that as a sort of sense of greatness, you know, like as a sense of not like, ooh, I am, but like beyond all the other things and all the trappings of the world that could promise, you know, some type of success, he found success in being able to really express where he was in that moment. Right. You know, and like you're saying, as a musician, I think it's easier. It, I don't really think it's easier because they're really writing it and do, hopefully doing. But it it's all. within their hands. Right. Not like that it's they easier. They have the power of yes. Right. And I just said to myself, like, I know who I like talking to, right? Like, I know who I like communicating to. I know who understands me. Not the conversations where I'm uncomfortable trying to express them to someone who sort of wants to, even if they want to, or I want to understand. Like, you work with someone, you're like, I want to understand what you're saying, but I don't really understand what you're saying. And I let go of all the things that were like, um, oh, I really hope this person liked me, or I really wish that I could do what... I let go of all that. What I got to was I said, how do I say, what do... Um, what's... Not easy, but like there's this Mary Oliver um, poem called Wild Geese. I don't know if you know the poem. It's a pretty I don't. famous poem. It's talking about wild geese and the wild geese flying off into the. And she says, All you have to do as a human being basically is to let the soft underbelly of who you are love what it loves. Right? And like that can really be anything. Like outside of convention, or even if it is what convention is, whatever it is, you got to do that. And then, you know, she says, you know, you can, you can make your way into the family of things, 
right? And so that was just where I went. I just was like, all these things were coming at me, and I was like, wait, hold up. Yeah, there are cameras and there's there you know lights and all stuff, and people will listen and all that. And like, I found myself in a unique position where I had the opportunity to make a movie happen in a certain space. But besides that, I was like, what do I really want to do with that? Like, what do I want to say? Like, what? Who do I want? And and it just and the first person I ran into. Well, there are two people. One was this director, Daniel Wolf, who's a video director. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know him. He called me up, and he was just like, yo, uh, I'm doing this video for this French band, like, and here's the treatment for it. Do you want to do it? And it was like playing this serial killer like who just killed hipsters because he hated hipsters. <laughs> and I think Daniel's a genius. And I just, my instinct went like, yes, Jake. And I was like, I'm in. Like, no hesitation. And then... The next person I met was Denis Villanova, and we sat down at dinner, and I was like, I don't know, it's like this Spanish story about two, I like the concept of two split people, this movie Enemy, I don't know, like Jose Saramago, who wrote the novel it's based on, is fascinating. Something in me was going like, yes, like, you, you know, and Denis was like, I have to make this movie, and we met, and I was like, this dude I have to work with. Like, I just went, that soul he likes my soul, I'm down, let's do this. And I could feel that, and so we just went and we did this thing. It was crazy, I mean, the, the process was nuts, man. It was like, we would shoot a scene, and we'd be like, oh, I don't know, and then we'd try it again, and then, you know, he'd be like, oh, that was an interesting idea, we'd go out, dinner, we'd get a little drunk, we'd have another idea, we'd come back, and we'd shoot, reshoot the scene with that idea the next day, and we'd go, aha, oh, and then the whole movie would go, let's go over here. Because the other thing about what you do is that once you say yes to one thing, that's yeah. saying no to four other things that could have taken that slot well, of time, Well, thanks. I mean, I'm too, a Jew, right? man. I mean, that's going to drive me crazy. Enough for, <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. I mean, I would assume that you have to quiet all the chatter, too, of anyone else in your life saying this opportunity is good or this is one that other, these mm-hmm. other folks in your generation are going after mm-hmm. and this one will mean this and, and you know... That, I, I don't see a lot of other people doing that on the level you are and taking these chances. And, you know, I would assume that from, from the choices you made in the last few years that you do want to, you do have a design for something that, that reflects more of a searching sort of lifestyle than, than building a career that's successful. Well, there's a whole thing that's created in any business. Um, I think it's sort of capitalism in a way, which is this idea that like you, um, there are other people that have something that you want, right? Like you were talking about competition before. There's somebody else who has something that you want, right? Like how do you go get that thing, right? What's that? What is that? That idea is crazy. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Ultimately, it will, it, it, it doesn't work like that. But isn't that what like, most people are thinking all the time? I mean, I am all the time. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. I mean, no, but seriously, like, I, I think, I think that there is, I mean, this opens up in a whole other question because there are, look, I mean, we're sitting here in a beautiful space and there, you know, and throughout the world, we, this is a, an absurd life that we live in a, in a country that, you know, is, is, it's, I mean, this is a crazy conversation that way, but I mean, creatively, like in this, in the business that I'm in, I think there's this idea that you, you know, there's a sense that somebody else is, it's like that joke and like in, in high school when the, you know, the casting list would come up, you know, or who is cast, you know, like there's nothing dirtier than like, you know, the acting troupe in high school, you know, who slit each other's throats to get a role, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, but I think... Once you let that go and you go like, you know, things are coming at you like from everywhere, right? Like they're coming at you from everywhere. I mean, I just did this play and like people would put, would send me scripts, like people who are fans or things like that who would wait outside the theater and they would send them to the, to the, to the theater. And I've, I was so obligated. I just felt like I, who knows what these things are. I'd read the script or I'd read like a scene. Someone, a couple people send me different scenes that they wrote and I'd be like... Maybe this is like amazing, you know. Maybe the universe is. Um, not every one of them was that. Like so that. Should we give out your PO box? At this point? Yeah, everybody just send me all the, whatever, <laughs> and I'll send everybody um, all my writing, which is amazing. Um, but like the, that 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 thing, you know. You never just you just don't know what's 
you, you know, I don't know, that, that idea, it does, I let that idea go. When you get to this level where you are in your career, there's no one that has requirements higher than the requirements you're setting for yourself. And that, I think that is the mark of a true artist, is that mm -hmm. you're gonna push yourself harder than anyone, any director or anyone else would ever push you because it matters more to you than anybody, right? And, and I think that that's, that's the absurdity that you talk about that... It is absurd. <laughs> and the insanity. But yeah. that's one of the great perks of being alive is to be able to experience great art that came through great sacrifice. And I, I want to close on... Um, you said that no one understands sacrifice like a fighter understands sacrifice. Yes. And, and I think that... You know, what I see, I see you striving and reaching and be willing, and you're willing to sacrifice as much as you can in, in, you know, the career that you keep calling indulgent. But I see you, I see you willing to sacrifice and push yourself farther than ever before. And, and, um, and you know, I, I don't know how you keep challenging yourself or, or what, what that looks like in the future. Um, but I think that, I think that what you're doing is, the definition of an artist, and, and it's fascinating to watch. Thank you, man. I was, that means, uh, thank you. I'll shut up. I'll take it. Well, you can't right. shut up because. No, because it's an interview. <laughs> but I, you know, I was watching this documentary on Gerard Richter, you know, the painter. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary? I have not seen the documentary. And you know, he's doing these things and like he's painting and he's, and, and, you know, he, He's extraordinary, and like, and yet also, when you look at it, like, he's scraping, you know, a, a wet canvas with like, people would look at him and be like, he's squiggling some lines on a thing, like this is absurd, and like, you know, but it's amazing, and and I, when I watch him, I go like, wow, I mean, he takes it, he believes in it so deeply, and he's like, trying to express himself so much that like, it was inspiring because you go like, um, ideas come from somebody being able to be courageous enough to just like squiggle something right and not to stick like, with it and go deeper and, and not create like the mona lisa or something like but he just was like this is who i am i this is that's the thing and like you know and it just happens in that case that everybody thinks he's a genius but i there are people doing that everywhere you know um on all different planes and all different different work you know and i guess that's your definition of an artist you know and like when I think of my friend who's a police officer, I think of him that way too. And like maybe he's an artist, you know, in that way. Because, and, and I think about like boxing as an art and I think about all those, th it's, so anyway. Well, it's, it's been fascinating to talk to you about Thank this Thank you, stuff. man, you're great. And who knew that a white room would create so much <laughs> color? <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, a black and white room. I think. <laughs> yeah, um, that was horrible. Please cut that out. That was absolutely just that, that was despicable. That, that yeah, is a true from artist, a real right artist. Jeez. Oh, um, yeah. No, but but I I think that I'm the luckiest person because I get to have these conversations, and and every time I have a conversation like this, I I get walk away with all these things that I want to apply, and I think that that's the beauty of any collaborative art like film where you're all in this pool and you're all influencing each other and you're all unknowingly passing on something that may have come off the cuff and, and, and maybe, it, maybe it's just a passing thought to me but it's stuck to you or vice versa. And, and I think getting to sit here and have these conversations is, that's what I get to do and I love it. So thank you for all the time and thank for you, man. being candid and everything. Yeah, no, and, thank uh, you. And I, I cannot, I cannot emphasize this enough. I really look forward to what you're going to do next. And, <laughs> cool. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, folks, you've reached the end of another episode of Off Camera. I hope you're liking the show. And remember, if you want to get the full Off Camera experience, go to offcamera.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Off Camera Show or me at Sam Jones. And if you want to get really personal, send me an email, sam at offcamera.com. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, take a minute on iTunes and give us a rating. Anything above four stars is acceptable. 
See you next time off camera.